This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight only on Disney+. Plus. Welcome to AVG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. My name is Mel. I'm Janet. And I'm Helen. I don't know a single person besides my mom who hasn't watched Squid Game. The South Korean Netflix show has taken the world by storm with even Netflix calling it possibly the biggest show ever. According to Wikipedia, within a week of its release, it's became one of Netflix's most watched programs and has attracted more than 111 million viewers, surpassing 2020's Bridgerton as a network's most watched series to date. So what exactly is Squid Game about? It's a South Korean drama series that revolves around a contest in which 456 players from different walks of life, but each deeply in debt, are chosen to play a series of children's games. They each have a chance to win 45.6 billion won, which is roughly around 38.4 million US dollars. However, with each game, there is a deadly penalty if they lose. The show is eerie, it keeps you on your feet, and leaves you guessing after each episode. This is actually the first show that all three of us watched besides Crash Landing on You, which was also a South Korean series, and we did a podcast episode review on that one, episode 70, if you want to dig into the archives. But there are so many reasons why the world is obsessed with Squid Game, and this episode will be dedicated to our review of this phenomenon that has taken over all of our social media feeds and Halloween costumes this year. So before we start, we do want to say that this episode will have spoilers. If you haven't watched it, we understand if you want to stop this episode here, unlike the show where you can't stop. (laughs) All right, ladies, let's talk Squid Game. Yes, so real quick, an interesting fact about the show. The director Huang Donghyuk conceived the idea for Squid Game based on his own economic struggle early in life as well as a class disparity within South Korea. Though initially scripted in 2008, Huang had been unable to find a production studio to support the script until Netflix came around in 2019. So let's talk about the show now. All right, so I am curious because I usually am a little late to these things or later than both of you ladies onto shows. Um, when did you first hear about Squid Game and how did you start watching it? Yeah, so it's funny because I was not planning to watch the show at first because the trailer looked scary. Mm. It looked freaking scary. I'm like a chicken when it comes to watching scary shows or movies. I did watch Battle Royale, which Mm. is a gory 2000s Japanese action thriller, which similar to Squid Game was about a fight involving many players until one fighter remained standing. And that show psychologically fucks you up about humanity, what humans are capable of. It's kind of like Hunger Games and you just start looking at your friends a little bit differently. You know what I'm saying? Mm. 
But at first I was like, I'm not going to watch this. And then one day Philip and I were eating dinner. We had just finished watching another series. We were flipping through Netflix. It was obviously the number one show on there. And it was also trending on Twitter. So there was a lot of social buzz about it. And we were just like, okay, one episode, lights on. And we, I think we watched like three episodes that night and we just got totally sucked in. And that's how we started watching. Wait, three episodes in one night? Yeah. That's insane. That's <laughs> it's like, a lot. That's, a, that's like, that's binge watch status. And mm-hmm. you guys never do that. No, barely. I'm also surprised that you watch Battle Royale. Cause okay. So in general, I think all three of us don't like bloody stuff. No, no, no. Or gore. So when I when I actually heard about Battle Royale, I I still have not watched it to this day because I'm so afraid. So I'm surprised I actually watched Squid Game. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, I actually saw the thumbnail on Netflix and it was very confused at the concept. I actually thought it might be like a school show or something based on just the photos of the tracksuit. I was like, oh, they're all in tracksuits. It's colorful. It's pretty. Yeah. I'm like the pink and green. And I'm like Squid Game. What an interesting like name for a, sh- yeah. a, a show, you know? Yeah. Oh, sounds yummy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, literally, I think about the squid my, my grandma used to make in the morning. Um... However, I saw that everyone was talking about it and everyone started recommending it to me because everyone knows I watch Korean shows. They're like, Mel, you have to watch Squid Game. And I was like, what is this Squid Game? Mm. And then Hemi, uh, our newsletter editor, she messaged me. She's like, hey, you should watch it. But I wouldn't recommend you watching it while you're eating dinner. And I was like, oh. Mm. And I was like, damn. I was like, oh, it has to be about the gore and the blood. Mm. Mm. So um, after everyone's recommendation, I was like, you know what? I think it's time for me to start a new show and I want to try a new genre. So my typical watching experience is that I like to have a variety of different shows kind of playing in my life at all times. So I have a lot of lovey-dovey stuff. I was like, you know, let me change it up with some like eerie thriller, right? Um, so Squid Game it was. And also at the time I was spending a lot of time with my Uncle Tom and he loves like horror movies. And he was like, oh, I need to watch something new. And I was like, well, I heard about Squid Game. It's kind of scary. Do you want to start it? So we both started together. It became our show that we watched. Oh. And... It's so addicting. It's yeah. just, I just got hooked and like I just couldn't stop. So that's how I just got started and hooked onto Squid Game. Was you Were you similar to Helen where after the first episode you directly watched the second? I couldn't because I watched it really late at night. And we, my uncle and I both had work. So we're like, okay, uh, we'll watch the next episode tomorrow. So I had to like wait every mm-hmm. night to watch one new episode. Interesting. How about you? I, oh my God, I'm trying to remember the beginning. Did I watch? I know at the end I watched the last three episodes all in one sitting. Wow. Yeah. But the fir- I think the first one, I might have watched two of them. Yes, I watched I watched two of them in one sitting. And I usually have a little bit of a, a laggard when it comes to like pop culture, um, Netflix or Hulu or any shows. I started hearing about it on like Instagram and like all the different social platforms. Um, and then uh, a guy that I'm kind of seeing right now is uh, he was the one that mentioned it. And he's like, hey, have you seen Squid Game? And I was like, oh, no. He's like, okay, we should watch it together. Um, so we watched the first, like, two episodes together. And then was, this became, like, the show that – the first show that we've ever mm. watched together, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it was an activity to do. And it was also a situation where it's was like, okay, we watched two episodes together. Are you both interested in it? Yes? Okay. And then during the week, um, you know, it was like, oh, like, uh, are you going to watch an episode? Or, like, we try to, like, be in sync. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it was over the course of, like – only a week or week and a half, we both had watched like two or three episodes on our own time. So I watched, I think, I think I might've watched like two more episodes in, in a sitting. And then the last three episodes, we uh, we ended up saving together and then watching our, as well with his roommate. So I watched the last three episodes of Squid Game with two guys, which is kind of interesting because 
to hear the dialogue. And his roommate had already actually seen it as well. Mm. So I always, I love shows like this where you can like talk and analyze. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's interesting for me to also learn about the guy that I'm seeing through kind of mm. like how he reacts to the show and the content. But that's how I kind of got into it. Um, and once I was introduced to it, though, I, I actually did really, really like it. And I totally understand the buzz around the show. Yeah, yeah. I want to add something to what Janet said. So one thing I actually realized with dating, which has been so long for me, is finding a show that a couple agrees on is actually kind of difficult. Mm. Like, I feel like there's a lot of times in my past where I'm like, oh, I guess I'll watch that with you. And then in reality, like, I would not watch that show. So find it's like a compatibility with your interests and yes. your, of the things you watch. So. I think it's good you found a show that you and Blank can watch together. Yeah, yeah Blank. We're going to hear more about Blank hopefully in the future, y'all. Yep. What part got you hooked onto Squid Game, though? I think I know what it was for you, Mel. Did you read my answers? No. What were your answers? What, okay, what do you think it was? Gong Yu. Yeah, dude. Oh, of course. How did you, oh, how did you know? Come on, dude. That, he's like on your, isn't he on your uh, screensaver or your phone lock screen? I have another actor, Lee Sang Yi, on it now. But, uh, okay. Yeah. But Gong Yu used to be on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Wait, so when, when did he first come into the show, though? Uh, Is that he's, later? He's the one that, that does the, the smacking. He's a smacking <laughs> game. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about the guy who's like the military. Or not, uh, oh, yeah. Not. That's the other hot, the hot police guy. Oh, so he was in episode one then? I think so. Oh, I guess my point with that was just, I was wondering like how many episodes you watched without like a, a hook or oh, a yeah. dude that, that no. kept so, you coming um, back. I'm pretty sure, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure Gong Yu was episode one. Yeah. Oh, Gong Yu was episode a, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, okay, my K-drama fans, you know Gong Yu is like a, like he's like A-list Korean actor. He is so fine. He's like 40 and he's like fatty hot. status. He is so, like, I'm a huge fan. So, and also just to give, yeah, Gong Yu was... The moment he came onto the screen with the slappy game, I was like, all right, I'm in. I'm in this. Mm. You're like, I want you yeah. to find me in the train station. Yeah. <laughs> no, underground. Yeah, a couple snap, slaps around the face. I was like, I don't want him to slap me. I'm, I'm pretty tender. My skin's, pretty, <laughs> my skin's really sensitive, but I'm a huge Gong Yu fan. And because mm. knowing his history and his background in acting, mm. this is his first Korean like series he's done or been in in like four to five years. Oh, So even yeah, for me, when I saw him, like, yeah. So when I saw him on screen, I was like, what the hell? Mm. Like, Trina Busan was a big thing too, so mm. it was just like a really, really nice, pleasant surprise, and he looked good. Um, <laughs> like I think, yeah, that just really like caught me off guard, and like I just stayed with that. And I think also, even just to analyze the Gong Yu part in this that that sequence, like or that scene, the I felt the element of mystery began when he was presented with, "Hey, do you want to play for money?" And here's a card or something. So I'm just like, okay, that's when everything started to like, like kind of yeah, like interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it made me wonder like, okay, what does this card represent? Like, what? It, like, why did? Why does he have money? Like, why are they playing this game? So like, all these questions started forming in my head, and I was like, I need to know the answers to this. So that's mm. why I stayed watching it. Okay, mm. okay. So you know, it's a little storyline too. You know. <laughs> so, so from else, mystery mostly men. Mystery and men <laughs> is mm. your hook. Mystery men. <laughs> what got you hooked, Jay? Um, so for me, I have a, a different perspective because unlike Mel, I didn't have any background on the actors or any of the history. I just went into the show completely cold, not mm. knowing anything. And um, I, I think also similarly, though, within the first episode, I was pretty hooked. So for me, it was the same scene, but for different reasons, mm -hmm. because that game actually reminded me of The Matrix, oh. like the red pill or the blue pill. Mm, yeah. So then I thought, okay, this is going to be a movie that kind of probably is going to explore human psychology a bit mm. and then maybe talk about different types of reality. So it piqued my interest. Um, but of course, that's only kind of like one part, right? And and then there were, I guess there's like milestones of where I feel like I got more and more hooked. Mm -hmm. That was the first one. The second, I feel like was during the first game, 
Once I saw that creepy doll mm -hmm. turn around and I saw references to like children's games, I was like, ooh, okay, anytime in a, in a thriller movie where you see references to childhood or childhood games, you know it's going to be really psychologically fucked up. Yeah, they yeah, get yeah, some, yeah. you know, into some deep shit. So I was like, ooh, this is interesting. Um, it's going to be layered and it means that I'm going to have a lot to analyze. And I yeah, love yeah. like analyzing that kind of stuff. And then within that first game, when they started just like shooting people and kind of like Quentin Tarantino style, they treat death so like whatever. Yeah. I was like, okay, this made me curious. Like, what is the main message of this movie going to be? Like, yeah, it's yeah. like, I, it just kind of threw me off a little bit. Right. Um, so those were three moments in the beginning that I remember got me progressively more hooked. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. How yes. about you, Helen? Same, same for me. The, the slapping game. And I think also just his situation that he was in mm -hmm. this, you know, divorced dad that's trying to make it work for his family. He's just in a lot of shit. And it's like, how is he going to get out of this? Right. But the episode that really got me was episode two. And we've, we've already called out spoilers, whatever. So spoiler alerts. What happens in the first game is that they play red light, green light, which involved a lot of death. And what happens is that the remaining players decided to vote on whether or not they wanted mm -hmm. to stay in the mm -hmm. game, right? One of the clauses of the game was that they all had a little bit of freedom of choice to be there or not, as mm -hmm. long as majority ruled. So there's some level of democracy for this mm -hmm. game too, which yeah. invited this feeling of like, oh, maybe this game is okay yeah. <laughs> like, you know and, and, and it like really fucks with your mind because you're like no it's not okay but there's one percent of it where it is okay but it the decision came down to player number one who we know was the old man who was behind the operations of all of this and he was the one that decided to cancel the game and i remember that to me was one of the more shocking parts because i was like wait we're only two episodes in the game is over yeah, they're all yeah, back yeah. to their normal lives this doesn't make any sense but why I think it was done so smartly is that the purpose of episode two was to depict what life was really like outside of the game for each of the individual characters. And their lives outside were objectively very shitty. You know, gi -hung's mom's health was declining. He had no money to help her in the hospital. His daughter's new family was moving to the U.S. Um, Ali was not getting paid for, for his work. And he mm. basically pushed his boss into this huge machine that like destroyed his boss's hands. And there are other great storylines too. But all of this got us as viewers super invested in these characters mm. and how desperate their situations were in real life. Mm -hmm. And how, you know, even on the outside, maybe it, it, it did make sense that reality was better in a game where you had a chance in life. Versus being in a world where so much was just stacked up against you, you know. So this episode really got me invested in the characters. I think the director could have done something where it was like flashbacks instead. Mm. They were in the game, but there's flashbacks to show how terrible their lives were outside. Mm -hmm. But because he made them go out and choose to go back in, mm. you're like, oh, shoot. They are intentionally going to fight to like their own deaths yeah. for for this game yeah and that that psychologically was just like i'm invested in the characters they're invested in this game holy shit what's next that's true that's true i think episode two is very critical to mm. this to people being able to accept the game as reality because when you just watch episode one like when i compared to like the matrix is one of those it's like is this sci-fi is it whatever like i i don't want to necessarily like i might think it's like too far removed from potential reality actually right. yeah but episode two, mm. when you get when you give background to the characters and then mm. you lead the viewer to be like, oh, it makes sense as to why they're doing this, then you are like invested. Yeah. And it feels like this makes sense. Like I could see myself making the decision to go back. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Oof. 
Dude, that's a really good analysis of episode two. I didn't think about how, like, you built that connection. Like, because I, I remember when I, when I saw them all go back to life, I'm like, that's it? Yeah. But then when you see each of their lives, and, like, the, I think the idea of choice is so interesting in this mm. game. Yeah. They, they did a really good job with painting the stories for all the characters. You know? Yeah. I don't know about you, but it feels like a lot of my friends are now getting on that baby train. If you have a friend who is also expecting or have little ones still in diapers, I always recommend Pampers Swathers. With Pampers Swathers, you can also rest assured that this diaper will prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Swathers has dual leak guard barriers at the legs to help protect where leaks happen most. And they have a blowout barrier, which is an innovative back pocket built into the diaper to help prevent those messy leaks up the back. Did you know that on average, babies will use up to 8,000 plus diapers before becoming potty trained? That is a lot. That's why Pampers Diaper Stash is the hottest baby gift for 2024. So give a gift to a loved one that says, we see you and we've got you. Pampers Diaper Stash is an online diaper fund that all parents with little ones will love. You can organize friends and family to contribute to a group gift of an online stockpile that never has to run out. Pampers Diaper Stash is great because it takes the guesswork out of choosing what size and how many diapers to gift. It's so easy to do, and it's the gift that always fits. Kind of like you mentioned, like, it kind of, I think episode two and, like, uh, the idea of choice, it makes us as viewers think that in some weird fucked up way, this is life, right? Like, and you could be players in this game. So... I think all of us had this thought watching. Like, if you were in the game, <laughs> like, how far do you think you'd make it? Also, what would be your strategy for survival? Oh, my God. I had a really hard time answering this question. Like, I was just trying to think about it, right? I think what makes it challenging for me to think about this is that there is this initial part of me that's like, I'm not a risky person. Yeah. And, you know, it seems so, like, outrageous. You tell me to play a game where, yes, like, the award is really big, but generally I'm more risk averse. I'm like, I don't need that huge award. I'd rather just kind of like stay here. But if I was a character in that movie and the context is I am in a, in a desperate state. And the thing that really got me was that each of those people, their debt had to do not with themselves, but with their family. Mm -hmm. So it was not about them. And it was like a desperation of, and you're to your point, like in some ways, maybe real life was like not as good as the potential to win at the game or just to leave life through death, if that makes sense. Like, that's kind of morbid, right? But it's like, it's like if I'm not enjoying my life, I can either come into this game and make make going back out into the real world better, or I can die and then I don't have to go back out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if that was my situation, how far do I think I would have made it in the game? I don't know. <laughs> so I don't. So okay, I think I I think I would have gone through red light, green light. I think I would have been okay because that one is more of a uh, reaction time one, right? So this is where I guess are really tactical about like what would my skill set be like. Mm -hmm. The sugar honeycombs, if anyone watched our, our, <laughs> our adventure at the CJ Cup, you could see that obviously I probably, that was like not a, not a good uh, display. But I would think that if I was really in a situation with no context to the game and I had to choose a shape, my default would go for a simple shape without knowing what the game is. Assuming that I could maybe make it past that part. Um, the third game, the tug of war, that game is about a team. So I was like, if I was in a team setting, I think that my survival would have depended on my teammates. Because mm. you saw how like all of them, well, maybe it's not, but like the ones that survived, like there was one person who stood out and said, we should do this and we all did it. 
So I think I'm a good team player and that if I was on the right team, I would have survived. Mm-hmm. But that isn't a demonstration of it's hard to say because it's like a team effort, right? Mm-hmm. But I would say that there's something in me that feels like I could have seen myself potentially going in that tug of war. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have so almost really hard to, You're like yeah. really put yourself in this situation. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, damn, I can't come up with a, a good answer. But I'm just kind of talking through the way I thought through each yeah, game. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, would I have made it? Like, I don't. I don't know, you know, yeah. but at least the first two games, I was like, I feel like there's, there's not so much skill that almost anyone could potentially, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I don't know. What about, what about you, Helen? I mean, if, okay, if I were to really put myself in this situation, I'd also agree. I probably would have got gotten past red light, green light. Um, and then I probably would have died at the second game. And same thing, because we did do the Dalgona challenge. And I remember when we were doing it, I was trying to lick it. I was using a very flimsy needle to pin through it. And the moment I put my hands together to break off a small piece, I was like putting myself in the game mm. and mentally saying to myself, Helen, this is it. Do or die. And it broke. So I don't like that's that's the reality of what yeah. would have happened. Maybe I would have taken more time on it mm-hmm. if I had, you know, if there was like a, a clock ticking, but it, it broke and I probably would have tried to dodge a bullet, but <laughs> I would have died. Second game for me. Well, oh, I'm surprised. How about for you, Mel? Um, I said, I honestly think I wouldn't make it super far, but at a decent place. So I think I can also survive the red light, green light. Um, and the Dalgona challenge because at the CJ Cup, I think we played it, and I was like, "Oh my!" I think I had a lucky piece. Mm. It is, yeah, it's all dependent on, on the how um, hard, yeah, how thick it is, how hard they put the imprint in. Yeah, yeah. a lot of different factors. But so I think maybe because of my previous experience, I would have done that. But I would have, I think I would have, I would, I would have, I would have made it through for that one. But when if it's a tug of war, the stepping stone, I don't know if I could survive those games. Like um, because I think the tug of war, like I think of it more physical. I know it's much more. It's also strategic. But I think in those type of games, I will not be the leader. So I will follow what they want to say. And I don't mm. think I'd be strong enough to, like, actually pull through. And then for the stepping stones, I feel that one's, like, a game of chance. Like, I yeah. don't – I could when, even when they were, like, figuring out which which one to move forward with, I was like, uh, I probably would be in the back or, like, trying to figure out and trying to memorize mm. it. But if I'm in the front of that game, I would totally lose. Um, in terms of strategy, though, I would actually probably gravitate towards someone like Gihun or Ali – Mm. even though they may not be the most strongest men or like the players i feel like i can trust them to protect me like mm. i would be so afraid of people double crossing me in this game like i would look for a level of trust in someone's personality or eyes like their eyes mm-hmm. can they like, tell if they're trustworthy mm. and i think if i were in like the in that space i would probably like try to get to know everyone's stories and figure out where their money problems come from like for example i would probably trust someone being laid off of work versus like someone who's like a loan shark or who's like a gang member mm-hmm, like even that mm-hmm. big dude so his problems came from like a sense of like he came from like a little bit of violence and i'm like okay i don't want to team myself up with someone like that kind yeah, of personality yeah. or background so i do more a deep dive with like their background and then say oh, okay if i can you know yeah so that would be my strategy so in terms of all the games, which one scared you the most? I felt like the tug of war and the stepping stone game. And the reason why is because I think experiencing death from falling and then dying on impact is really violent mm. and a lot of anticipation. Whereas the other ones, like getting shot, I feel like I the moment I know it's coming, then I just close my eyes and, mm. and it's a quick death. So the deaths that are like when you see it in the tug of war, imagine the back and forth, you get up there and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Oh no, no, I think I'm Oh, yeah. oh my god, we're gonna die. Oh my god, I think it's okay. Yeah. And then the can you imagine what's going in your head as you're like falling down, right? And the same with the stepping stone. So yeah, not to be graphic and stuff, but then I think about say like the red light, green light. You you only have like two seconds where you know you're gonna die when mm-hmm. it happens, right? 
Same with the Dalgona. So I, I, for those reasons, the games that I feel like draw out death, they, I was just, that's miserable. I'd rather if like, if it's going to happen, just make it fast. Mm. Yeah. I also did watch a bunch of like YouTube, just reviews and stuff of the show afterwards. Yeah. And, um, the, the Stepping Stone one, people were saying that the old man had to die in the Marvel game, which was the game right before the stepping, the, the mm. tempered glass versus the real glass bridge. And the reason was because all the other games had a level of control to it, right? Like the tug of war, he was able to sort of dictate what yeah. the strategy is. The red light, green light, he could survive by himself. And then and then the Dalgona one, he already knew what to do with that mm. one. So the one that was left up to chance was the bridge one, mm. where someone could either push him or oh, you know, it's too much left up to chance for him to die. So he had to go in the marble game. Or maybe there's like a, a fear of potentially getting betrayed, like someone pushing you to die. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 There were a lot of moments in the show that induced a lot of fear and cringeworthy, I guess. Um, were there moments, though, in the show where you cried or you felt, like, moved? Mm-hmm. I think it was episode seven. Was it seven? The Marble Game? Mm. It was. It's funny because it was the most quiet and calm game, but in my opinion, it had the most sacrifices and mm. was the most revealing of each character's true nature. I definitely fell for Ali oh, and yeah. I fell for the old man very hard then. <laughs> Damn it. But the one that I think like killed it for me was the conversation between the two women. Yes. Player 240 and player 67 where they just talked about what they would do with the money if they got out of the game and all the moments where they said, you know, oh, we should hang outside of here. And then the realization that both of them weren't going to make it out. And it was clear also that these two women, it was probably hard for them to find friends in real life because they're sort of like the more rebellious type and more independent souls. So to have found someone that's more complementary to them and then to know that they can't exist outside of this reality and that one of them was going to die soon, I was just like, holy shit, like Mm. that's that's that like tugged at my heartstrings. And then even like at the end, like player 240, she sort of weighs in her own mind that her life was not as worthy or as valuable Mm. as player 67's. And she just allowed herself to for the ultimate sacrifice. And that part of the that scene just like tore me apart. I was also watching some YouTube videos afterwards and apparently the one who survived player 67 she like couldn't stop crying after that scene because it just felt so real to her mm-hmm. and i think we all felt that as we were you know watching yeah, it yeah. yeah that scene definitely oof got me to be honest i felt more now that you explained it versus when i was watching it like i felt it watching it like with the two girls but i i think my i, I just knew something was gonna happen though like yeah. i think in my back of my head i was like oh shit something's gonna happen to this pair and like i was anticipating something so versus like feeling the mm-hmm. moment watching it I was more sad when the grandpa died mm-hmm. in that moment because there's like a sense of innocence with him being like, oh, like this reminds me of my old place. And like, it's just like when he was like walking around the like the neighborhood very lost saying like, this is where I, where I came yeah. and I played with my, my, my wife and my son. And then just, it just made me think of my own grandpa because mm-hmm. he looks a lot like him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I was like, shit, dude. Like for me and elders, it's just like, it's just, that's, yeah. that's the way you like, you kind of like hit my heart with that one. So yeah. So that was a scene. Being comfortable is probably number one on my list when it comes to loungewear and undergarments. I want to wear things that I can wear all day, whether I'm working on a Monday or relaxing on a Sunday afternoon. A brand that I just can't get enough of is Naywai. It's no joke why Naywai is led by so many. 
It's a designer lingerie and loungewear brand that puts comfort first without sacrificing style. They use premium fabrics and unique designs for their pieces, which allows us to feel free. They're not just made to be worn, they're made to live in. Their most popular line is their Barely Zero Collection. It's a series of bras and briefs made of highly elastic, soft fabric blend called Cloudfit. These adaptable size bras and briefs offers the support of a traditional bra, but with so much more comfort. My friends and I have a bunch of these items from this collection, and it's, and it's ridiculously comfortable. I legit forget that I'm wearing clothes with this line. Nawa also started making lounger, and I hopped on that train fast. I have their 2021 new laid-back ribbed V-tie padded slip dress in sand dollar with their matching cardigan. It makes me feel so stylish even though I'm wearing a nightdress around the house. I highly recommend you all to try Nawa for yourself. We're offering our listeners 20% off on your first Nawa order with code ABG at nawa.us slash asianbossgirl. As much as I enjoy going to the nail salon, it's just not feasible for me to get there that often. Plus, I personally find the act of doing my own nails at home really therapeutic. I'll make a cup of tea, I'll light a candle, play some music. I used to just apply polish and top coat, but I've now upped my at-home nail game with Olive and June's Manny system that comes with just the right amount of tools, including polish remover with a cleanup brush, a nail buffer, top coat, and their award-winning cuticle serum. And one of the coolest product design details is their patented bottle handle, the Poppy. It's a soft but grippy top that fits onto the brush handle for an easy to control paint experience. It's so clever. Plus their products are affordable. Visit oliveandjune.com ABG and use code ABG for 20% off your first Manny system. This is an exclusive offer you can only get here. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com ABG, code ABG for 20% off your first Manny system. oliveandjune.com ABG, code A-B-G. What was your interpretation of the ending? Did you like the ending? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is something I wanted. I was, like, I was like, oh, I might ask the ladies this. So to be honest, I'm still confused as to why he dyed his hair red. But I Of all the things. I was like, why did he dye your hair red? But okay, here's my analysis. A little bit. And I could be wrong. But I think he ran off the plane because one, he wanted to stop this like, shitty cycle. Yeah. Maybe he also ran off because he wanted to feel like he has control of his own life and not let the rich control him. And I think with the conception of the games, I feel like the grandpa, like we obviously at the end, spoiler, we were like the grandpa is like the mastermind behind everything, Mm -hmm. is that he reached a place where he realized the world is poorly distributed and no amount of money can exceed a level of happiness, right? Like we know there's a disparity in terms of income. Or here's another thought was like, he was so rich that he stopped believing in humanity. Mm Mm-hmm. And decided to make humanity and life a game. So with people who needed money became pawns in his own life to make his own rich, unhappy life interesting. Mm-hmm. So that, that was like interpretation I had. Hmm. I, so when I, in terms of like interpreting the ending, I feel like the number one thing that came to my mind was like it was well done because it can lead to a season two. Yes. Right. right. And it's a classic tool, I think, in very good thrillers to leave the ending up for interpretation so it's not clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, though, I thought that, like, I think that there is going to be a season two and I feel like he's going to, like, he, my interpretation is like, yeah, the main character is meant to be kind of the rede- the redeemer, right? Mm-mm-mm. And the old man, I am still also a little confused about his character. And to be honest, like, throughout the entire show, he was my favorite character mm-hmm. and I was always rooting for him. And then even at the end when they make him the mastermind, I was like, oh, it's kind of brilliant, right? And then they have him playing with this idea of like human goodness versus wealth. And I kind of feel like it's like, is he doing this as a way to kind of like prove some messaging about maybe getting these people to learn how 
not judge each other or maybe understand that like every human being is capable of dark, negative, and inhumane behavior mm-hmm. given the right circumstances and motivation. Mm. So it was interesting, Mel, when you were saying you would get to know each person and their background story, the way that they demonstrated in episode two, I could see every, myself in every person. Mm. And I wonder if it's like, and through playing a game like that, do you, maybe I don't know within the players or the viewers, but he, the old man doesn't know that people are viewing the show. So I don't know. I'm a little confused about it, um, but it, I think that's what a good a good show mm, does, right? Yeah. It just makes you think. There isn't a conclusion. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But did you both feel like, ugh, this ending, weird? Um, I would... I think I, I like endings that don't, that are not like a close. I like it when they leave you open to interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think about the old man, I wasn't sure I felt about it, yeah. about it, but I like the cliff of like, okay, what's going to be. Okay. Okay. I personally did not, it was not super obvious already. I did not like the ending at all. Like I wanted some level of redemption yes. for all the characters that I just got so invested in. Yeah. And I wanted the people who are running these games to get something handed to them. Yeah. Right. But none uh, of that happened. That's true. That's true. None of it happened on a scale that I was looking for. Yes. There's a cliffhanger for season two, but yeah. I'm just like, Oh, I want a little bit more closure yeah. for this episode because you just see the old man die peacefully. But what about, and I'm like, but what about when he, when he goes and gives like the, the money to the mom and like the family members did you feel like a redemption? Because like to me, that was like a, a little bit of redemption. Very right? little, but then they lost their like they lost their daughter. They lost the the mm. caretaker. You know, From it's that still it's still they had to lose someone, and money had to sort of replace mm. that person in order for it to feel like. But there was, was it? Some but was the person redeemed because their whole thing of doing that was for their family member to get the money or to do? You know what it is. I want to add to this. I think the last episode I also thought about was, I think there's so much guilt. With Gihon, so mm-hmm. any any amount of money, he didn't even care. Like I just killed a people had to die for me to even handle this. So he's like, yeah. this yeah. money is like, it's stained with blood. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, I think that's how I felt too. It's like even though the they got the the people who died, they yeah. got sort of what they wanted in the in the outside life in real world. There was a lot of like evil that had to be behind that mm-hmm. money that saved their family. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it didn't feel like clean. Yeah, yeah. money at in all. In the end, it was not worth it. Basically, yeah, it felt like yeah. I think I also interpreted the ending sort of the same way where this old man, he just had a lot of rich friends and he was just bored and he wanted to play this last round for nostalgia purposes and for the excitement of life. Um, But what I also got from this ending was that the old man just had no hope for humanity. Even when he was playing the game with like, oh, look at that guy, you know, sitting outside in the snow. No one's going to help him. Mm. That's just how he ended his life. But I do feel like there was maybe a glimmer of hope in Gihong, who was kind enough to him throughout the games for him to call him his gang, gangbu or his neighborhood yeah. best friend, right? But ultimately, Gihong also stabbed him in the back in the marbles game by taking advantage of his dementia. Mm. So it's like it came down to there is no good in the world. But I think we see a glimmer of goodness in Gihong, who's the main the lead character, yeah. because he does believe in the good of humanity. He trusts people. He was actually creating friendships throughout the games or trying to. So it's like a balance of good and evil. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's why I liked it, because I think it it makes the definition of good and evil not very clean yeah, mm-hmm. and straightforward. Um, and actually, now that you're talking to the, the specifics of the ending, I had this like kind of a little bit of a light bulb moment for how I what I think the message might be is just like, whether th- whether man is good or bad is up to your own interpretation. Yeah. Mm. Because the if it was if man was good and someone came and saved that homeless person, one one character sees it, but the other doesn't. Mm-hmm. So which which is real, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that person's reality is is well, what you see is your reality, or what you choose to believe is your reality. Mm-hmm. So that both are true, and mm, does that true. make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it does. Yeah. Ooh. 
so deep. But this, I mean, like we know that the show has been an incredible sensation, right? What do you ladies think has made it a global sensation? I mean, there are so many reasons. This show came at a time during this pandemic where unemployment has skyrocketed. There's a lot of political upheaval around the world. More people are out on the streets. Even when we look around downtown LA, it just feels a little bit different from you know a year ago. And this series kind of reflects the times to an extreme, basically saying that you know if we're we're not rich, we're part of this herd mentality, this rat race, this struggle to just find wealth. Um, in this game of capitalism in the the reality that we're all living in, right? Mm -hmm. But that aside, I think the creator of the show did a really good job of also just having us be really invested in the characters. We already talked about this, but I'm also watching Money Heist, which is a Spanish show about no money heist. And similarly, these characters didn't come from much and they're driven by money. But I think Squid Game just did it really well by having us very invested in the characters that they're intentionally throwing themselves into this game and yeah maybe we see a bit of ourselves in each of these characters we see our old grandparents who collect cans for a living we see the mm. gambaholic uncle that always seems to be a little bit out of it you know that and one last thing the fact that everyone relates to children's games and it's just like mm. children's games are yeah. fun but taken to an extreme yeah holy crap you juxtapose that innocence with violence and death, and that's just really good TV right there. Yeah. So it's really good writing. Dude, that was a good answer. What the heck? <laughs> what do you think, Mel? I said, well, similar to Parasite, I think it tells the story of the rich and poor in a cinematic way. Yeah. You know, I think South Korea, damn. Personally, I'm also very biased because I love entertainment from South Korea, and I think it's great to see this on this global scale. I'm just like, yes, I've been watching this 10 years. This is amazing. I think I also agree that whole like playing with like the Korean children's games, it makes it very kind of eerie, but also the viewers are like, oh, I can play this game too. Mm -hmm. And like, you kind of put yourself in their shoes in a weird way. I think those are the reasons why it did so well. On top of the reasons I think Helen also shared. Mm. Yes. Uh, I, I had heard, I think, a podcast around people who were kind of like trying to analyze why it blew up. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, like there is obviously a trend in K-dramas and, and K-culture right now. So I think on a pop culture level, it kind of makes sense, at least within I mean, within the U.S., but also globally. Right. Um, and then you think about the global state of the world, as Helen was sharing. I think as a as a world at large, we're starting to question capitalism and the way it works. Mm -hmm. And obviously the pursuit of wealth and um, and what it does to a person's character or what that, whatever that might be. Um, but I think, you know, even there's like, like your example, there's other shows that touch upon these topics, but why would, once you get the audience, what keeps them and what makes them relate to it so deeply? Um, and there's a human aspect of this, but there's also a human aspect to a lot of stories, right? But I think it's also cinematically and writing wise, and even like the, the references they have in, in the, in the show, like the call outs that. So someone who like loves Quentin Tarantino will kind of see similar like mm -hmm. nods. Um, and then there were like posts about like if you if you follow art like classic arts, there were a lot of scenes that he that he kind of took out of those things. So I think it was just such a like you first have to be on trying to get the people in. But then once the people are in, they need to feel something that like always oh, recognizable, mm. you know. All right, and to wrap up this episode, I thought I'd share some other works from these amazing actors and similar shows. If you, are, if you guys are a huge fan of Gi-hoon, who um, is also Lee Jung-jae, he has another movie called The Thieves. I highly recommend that. Um, and if you guys are a big fan of Park Hae-soo, he plays um, 
Sangwoo, and he's a guy that you know went to Seoul University. He is known for this really great drama um, called Prison Playbook, and that is on Netflix. And if you're also swooning over the hot policeman like I did, and you want to see him in, in a more sentimental role, he's in a Korean drama called Romance is a Bonus Book, also on Netflix. And if you like similar shows like Squid Game, Alice in Borderland is also highly recommended. So again, thanks for tuning in as we kind of dive deep into this global phenomenon, Squid Game. If you guys also watch this episode, please leave a squid emoji in our latest Instagram post. And please, no spoilers. If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support, or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. If you resonated with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. And if you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called Dear ABG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is at Asian Boss Girl. So we have a few shout outs for today. To Novia in Sydney, Australia, Mercy wanted to send you a message. Missing my other half in Jakarta, Indonesia. Stay safe and hopefully we can meet up soon. To Allison in Dallas, Texas from your sister Ashley, she says, thank you for being the best sister anyone could ever ask for. Love and miss you. Wow, sister love is the best. To Connie in Sweden, your friend Julia wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Min Lila Bebis. I, must, I might have said that wrong. She loves you so much and wants to give you a big M-U-Triple-A-H on this podcast. Jamie in Toronto, Edmund says, thank you for being the intelligent, empathetic, and kind person that you are. And more importantly, thank you for being his fiance. And lastly, a message from Kelly to her besties, Eileen and Lillian in the 626 area. Life would not be the same without you two. Thank you, besties. Ugh, love all of the love in this week's shoutouts. If you'd like to send a shoutout to a friend, check out our link tree and our link in bio on our Instagram and click on shoutouts. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all of her magic on our episodes, including this one. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.